Well, now we're going to have our main Bible reading, and this morning we're in Romans 5, and we're just going to look at Romans 5, 1 to 11. And Paul, as a bit of a thing to be looking out for, Paul's going to talk about peace, but I guess a question to be asking yourself as we read this passage in what sort of way is Paul thinking about peace? What sort of peace is Paul talking about? So it says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Well, just a few things to mention before we begin this morning's sermon. The first is there will be an opportunity to ask questions in light of what we've been thinking about at the end of the sermon. And that all takes place over the live chat. And I'll explain that when that comes. But I want you to know the question times are there so that you can be thinking of any questions you might want to ask. Another thing to mention is the sermon outline. That's in the description box. You should have also received that earlier this week via email. And that's for your use if you find it helpful. And then finally, let's pray and ask God to help us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the fact that our salvation is secure because it's based upon your initiative. It's achieved by you sending your son, and it's guaranteed because you've given us your spirit. And given these three different aspects of your salvation plan, we pray, Lord, that it would give us great assurance in knowing that we are secure and safe in your salvation. That of all the things we might be anxious about, this is not one of them. So we pray, Lord, that we would have a confidence and a boldness, knowing that our salvation is secure. And that would help us as we reflect on other things that we might be worried about in this fallen world, but know, knowing that whatever befalls us now will be put right in the new heavens and the new earth. Amen. Well, over the last three weeks, we have been considering how we manage 
the anxiety that we experienced. And among other things, we have seen that anxiety does have a positive role to play. Since we now live in a fallen world, there is plenty to worry about. There are dangers. Crossing the road. Eating uncooked food. There are criminals who would steal from us. We all have to provide a roof over our head. Food to eat. Clothes to wear. And so we need to work and organise our time and money so that what goes into the account is at least equal to what leaves the account. There are aches and pains and illnesses. There's, there's death. And it's as we worry about these things that it inhibits us from crossing the road without looking. Eating food that isn't piping hot. Locking our doors. Spending frivolously. And our worry provokes us to go to the doctor. Anxiety about these things are good. But sometimes our anxiety is irrational. We could become too worried to cross the road. Too particular about what we eat not be able to sleep until we've checked the door is locked 10 or 20 times we might worry about money though we have more than enough and live well within our means we might spend hours fussing over what to wear and we might believe we have an illness even though we have no symptoms and it's at this point that we need to talk ourselves down and as we practice it, we will get better at it. We've also briefly inferred that anxiety is necessary, is a necessary feeling when we hear the gospel. The essence of the gospel is that we are at odds with our creator, but Jesus has come to reconcile us. The correct response is for this to concern us and worry us. If we're worried, then we'll take both the warning and solution seriously. The alternative is, we don't believe it, and it doesn't make us anxious. Now, as people who have heard the gospel, who have appreciated the seriousness of it, we have heard and believed, we've turned and repented. And having put our trust in Jesus as the one who redeems us and provides us with the forgiveness of our sins, we are saved. And yet every time, whether we are reading the Bible ourselves or at church, listening to a sermon or taking part in the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the gospel. We're reminded of what we've been saved from and keen to remind ourselves that we have been saved. It's in this process that for a moment our anxiety is pricked, only briefly, as we ensure ourselves that we are saved as we wouldn't want to 
be without our salvation. You see, on occasions, a fear that we might not be saved is an encouragement that we are. However, there are other times when our anxiety can become driven by our feelings. We are emotional beings and there's no avoiding it. The idiom, who got out of the wrong side of the bed, makes the point that our emotions can be irrational and there can be no particular reason for them. And we will have all experienced this One day you wake up and you feel happy. You can't explain why. You're just happy. And you run with it. You enjoy it. On another day you wake up and you're in a bad mood. Again, there's no reason whatsoever for it. There's every reason to be happy, but you're not. The only explanation that can be given is you got out of the wrong side of the bed. And the best you can do is hope that you feel better tomorrow. It can affect our relationships. One morning you feel particularly in love with your spouse. Another day everything they do can really irritate you. While there can be reasons for it, other times it just depends on what side of the bed you got out of. Now of course... Getting out of the bed one side or the other makes no difference to our feelings. But that's the point of the phrase. No one can explain why this happens, but sometimes we wake up feeling down. Now, given that our emotions are so all over the place... There's no reason to expect that this wouldn't also affect our feelings toward God. There are times when everything seems to be going so well. Bible reading's great. Every prayer seems to be answered. God feels so close, like he's walking alongside us every step of the way. But then there are those times when God feels distant. Bible reading is a chore. Everything we read seems like it comes from an alien world. It was written such a long time ago. How can it be relevant now? God seems to have stopped listening. It's like there's a great chasm between here and heaven. Or a great barrier has been put in a way so that every prayer just comes bouncing back unanswered. Is there any way to assure ourselves when we feel like this? Well, if we read Romans 5 verse 1, this might further frustrate us. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we read that verse, we might read it as an imperative That's to say, reading it as an instruction. Be at peace with God. Elsewhere, like in Romans 12, verse 12, we might remember reading the instruction, be joyful. We might ask, 
how do you make yourself joyful when you don't feel joyful? Here it's similar. How do I feel that inner peace with God when I don't feel it? Well, the answer to that question is, read the verse again, but do so a little more carefully. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. An inner peace or a feeling at peace is one common way that we use the word peace. But it's not the only way. This is a feeling of peace. However, the alternative describes a state of peace. Two hostile enemies have been reconciled and now they're at peace. Now we have very good reason to understand peace in this passage, not as a feeling of peace, but as a state of peace. Have a look at what it says in verse 10. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. It clearly describes us as enemies of God and in a place of the word peace, it describes how we've been reconciled to God through Jesus' death. So when God says here we have peace, he means we have a state of peace. There's an objectivity to this peace. The enemies are no longer hostile, but peace has now been realized. And this is crucial to understand as we go through that roller coaster that is our emotions. If I wake up this morning and I feel at peace with God, well, then that's wonderful. My feelings reflect the reality that I know I am reconciled to God. However, if I wake up and do not feel at peace with God, then that is a shame, but I am at peace with God, regardless of how I feel. Just because I feel estranged from God, it has no bearing on my actual objective relationship with God. And I need to remind myself of this truth. That I've been reconciled to God. I'm at peace with him because Jesus died in my place. Now, ideally, it would be good if I can get my feelings to match reality. But even if they don't, it doesn't matter because I'm still at peace with God. Because that is a state and it's a state that's been achieved through his son. So hopefully we're beginning to see that how now that we've been reconciled to God, 
and enjoy an objective status of peace, then any concern, any concern at all about our salvation is going to be irrational. Particularly when we think about the great lengths God has gone to to reconcile us to him. There's no illustration that's adequate. There's no similar event that takes place in history. Never when two countries have been at war has the one provided the necessary sacrifice for the reconciliation to the other. And yet God initiates everything that is needed for his enemy's debts to be paid. And he does it at great cost to himself. He reconciles us through the death of his son. Now, since this is an event that's never been known before or after, and since it's both an incredible achievement to provide reconciliation for one's enemy, then Paul says the difficult thing has already been done. Reconciling one enemies to oneself. So that now we've been reconciled to him, well, the rest is easy. Having saved us at such a great cost, while we were his enemies, he's not going to let us fall at the last hurdle. He, was key, he will keep us until the end. So if we're anxious about our salvation, well, we need to be sure, uh, assuring ourselves of our salvation. But if we're anxious, then it suggests it is something that we're concerned about. We know the implications of not being part of the kingdom, and so we want to make sure it's secure so that we are part of God's kingdom. However, this is okay because we have a wealth of reasons that we can use why we can be assured. And so we can use these things to settle our anxiety. Whatever we feel, however we feel, we are now in an objective state of peace with God. God saved us when we were enemies at great cost. And so he'll keep us until the end. As we come to the end of our short series about anxiety, we've, been, we've seen that living in the fallen world does mean that we experience anxiety. But God has given the ability to rationalise our irrational thoughts. When our thinking is skewed, we can challenge this wrong thinking. We've seen how this is something that everyone can do, believer or non-believer, by virtue of the fact that we've all been created in God's image. However, the believer has more ways of challenging his or her rational thinking. As part of God's redeemed people, we are anticipating the new heavens and new earth which will be a time when God will vindicate his people. So whatever we may fear, worry about, 
whatever may cause us difficulty here, we are guaranteed that it will be gone in the new heavens and the new earth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the salvation that we have and the state of peace that we're in. And we pray, Lord, that we, as we mull these things over and continue to reflect on these things, it would help us to have that assurance of our salvation. That we would know the debt has been paid. We would know that not only has the debt been paid, but we are in the black. Because your son died in our place and has justified us and as we reflect on these things might they give us a confidence that in this state of peace you are going to keep us until the end amen well i mentioned earlier on at the start of the sermon that there was going to be an opportunity to ask questions or make comments in light of the things that we've been thinking about how this works is it all takes place in the live chat and what can be helpful is if you stick a cue in as soon as you think you've got a question that just means that we can i know that a question's on its way and i'm not tempted to move on to the on reflection so Stick a cue in and then you've got a bit of time to type your question in the live chat. And obviously everyone will be able to see the questions so we'll be able to um, have a think about it together. Uh, I've said before, obviously now as we're coming to the end of this anxiety course, if you have a question that you're not comfortable about asking in front of everyone, uh, obviously feel free to drop us an email or if there's a flood of questions we don't get through them all then uh, we can do that elsewhere I hope you've appreciated the flow of the four sermons and how they've related to one another Okay, we have our first question coming in from the fishers. Obviously, as we wait for this question, don't feel like you have to hold off if you want to get your question in. You can see if you can beat them. Uh, yeah, but just keep the questions coming. Okay, so we've got here, you mentioned that if we are anxious about being saved, it's a good sign that we are. Please could you talk a bit more about that? Yes, so I guess if you remember right back at the start, we made a distinction between sort of worry and anxious, and it's kind of an arbitrary uh, distinction. But I guess what we're just saying is there's a, there's a um, correct way of worrying where there's a, a rational worry and then there's an, an, um, an incorrect way of worrying where there's an irrational worry. And so I guess it's just that sense of 
And also, I guess, when we looked at the second one, that kind of thing of where does our concern lie, as in the second sermon. So there, you know, we were never really talking in that second study about worrying about being in the kingdom of God. But, you know, in Matthew, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, do not be anxious about this. Do not be anxious about that. Do not be anxious about this, but seek first the kingdom of God. It's not really about being anxious about being in the kingdom of God in that sort of sense of, oh, I'm not in the kingdom of God. Ah, I'm and it entering into a despair. But rather, it's just that concern that you're in it. So. I guess and and it's very subtle as well. So, like I said, we, we talked a little bit about um if you hear the gospel, we've heard the gospel a thousand times, you know, if you go to an evangelistic event, you know, you're not sat there thinking, I'm going to go through the process of um, hearing the gospel, being convicted of my sins, and then having that desire to turn and repent, because you're saved, you're already there. But I think there's just a sense that hearing it again just pricks your conscience. It's just a, a, a subtle reminder now, of course, hearing the gospel again or sitting through the process of, of taking part in the Lord's Supper together and having that kind of subtle reminder, one approach to that could be complete apathy. Oh, yeah, we're going through the Lord's Supper again. Yada, 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 bread and wine, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's an attitude of complete apathy and um, disinterest in what's taking place. But of course, that's totally inappropriate. We're thinking in terms of this is a remembrance of that which has put us in union with Christ. So we're not going to have an apathy towards it, but there's going to be a a kind of a concern that we are part of this. Okay, I hope I'm explaining that. So I guess it's just we don't want to be in that area of apathy where it's just kind of going through the motions now i don't want you to now go away and think oh no you know when we do the lord's supper or the last time we did it was i just going through the motions and i'm not kind of i think it's it's that kind of it's just that sort of sense of when i hear the gospel and it can be very fleeting and quite quick there's that kind of sense of it's great the gospel isn't it how important is it to be part of it I remember the first time I heard this you know and I'm so assured that I'm part of this you know, it can be very subtle can be very brief can be very quick uh, but I think that's what I'm thinking in terms of um we're not we're not thinking where well, every time we hear the gospel, you know, we get in the whips out and it's like, oh, I deserve, you know, it's it's not complete despair or that whole kind of like, oh, I'm not really saved, I'm not really saved, I need to go through the whole process again. It's a bit more subtle than that. It's sort of fighting against that apathy. Not not fighting it. I think if you've got that apathy, you've got that apathy, and questions need to be asked. But I don't think. I'm going to stop now before I make things worse.
Yeah, so I'm saying there's a subtlety to just that pricking of the emotion that just reminds us um, of the need and concern that we have for being saved. I hope that makes sense. It's kind of kind of hard to explain but I think it's something that we all feel I think you see it in fellow believers who are authentic and genuine um, you know it's it's sort of communicated by a commitment it's communicated by a passion and a desire it, it's subtle but it's there I don't know but we're not talking full-blown anxiety and despair hope that's okay feel free to fire something back if not okay so nothing else has no other questions have come through as yet cheers rachel Okay, um, so if there's nothing else, we'll move on to the reflection. Last chance. Oh, there we go. So Susie's got a question. Sometimes a new creation feels hard to imagine, get our head round. Eternity is difficult to understand when we only know time in a finite way. How might we better understand, reflect on our hope for the coming of the new creation amidst our anxieties on a day-to-day -day basis? Okay, let me um, suggest a few thoughts. Um, I guess a couple of things... I guess a couple of things to be have in mind is the first is you know like I think for a long time people have talked about um, your obviously we live here the gospel is preached so that you can go to heaven and not hell um, and so the, the gospel is often presented as a choice between heaven or hell if you want to choose heaven then you need Jesus and then you save and you can go to heaven now of course that makes things a little bit mystical oh what's it going to look like when we're living in heaven but of course as we've been seeing at Trinity God when we start thinking seeing things in terms of creation and God has created the world he has these creation purposes creation's been decreated because that's what sin is when the creation purposes are reversed and then God is going to redeem the world which means a recreating of the world and that's what we're anticipating a recreated world as it was meant to be now I think at that point that makes things a lot more tangible in the sense that the created world that we're in now is very much the created world that we're expecting the new heavens and the new earth 
but without the fall. So in one sense, creation, the new creation is not too different from the spoiled creation, but it's going to be without the that which is spoiled. It's going to, you know, so, and the language that's used in the Old Testament and then the language that Jesus picks up upon are all the these sorts of things. So, like when the Messiah comes, there's going to be an abundance of wine. There's going to be a, a messianic banquet. And so we can see straight away how that describes... Um, the new heavens and the new earth. So the world is famine and drought, but the new heavens and the new earth, there will be an abundance of food and abundance of wine, and there will be the celebrations because the famine and drought are gone. He talks about the lame leaping for joy. The idea being there is that people who have, you know, their bodies are affected and impacted by the fall are going to be those problems are going to be gone because they're going to have the resurrected bodies that won't have those same um, shortcomings because it's the resurrected body and it's um, post um, new heavens and new earth it's sort of in the new heavens and new earth so I think those and so this is what when Jesus comes and does the miracles he does it's not to solve this world's problems. He doesn't come along and say, you know, if you come to me, I'll, uh, everyone who needs healing, I'll heal everyone who needs healing, and then, then I'll send you out and there'll be no one that's ill anymore. No, he's come into the fallen world to give them a glimpse of what he has the power to do. So the reason he makes the lame walk is to say, I am the one who's bringing in the new heavens and the new earth. You know, when the lame are leaping. The reason why he turns water into wine is he's saying, I am the one who is going to bring an end to famine. There'll be a banquet. It'll be a messianic banquet in the new heavens and the new earth. And there will be no end of food and no end of wine. Because that's the, what, the sort of thing, that's the power with which I have. That's what I'm fulfilling So I think it's probably helpful, first of all, um, to kind of start thinking in that sort of, um, those sorts of concepts. So very much instead, of, so in this world there's suffering, in that world there won't be. You know, in this creation it's fallen, but in that creation there'll be no death. And so it's very much what we're living in now but without the distortion you know and obviously that that's completely it's the going to impact the whole of creation um so all the shortcomings of this creation will be gone now i think that helps in two ways because i think that gives us more of a realistic end goal so instead of just thinking in terms of, I don't know, like we're given a halo and wings and a, and a harp and handed that and, oh, is, 
am I going to enjoy that? I don't know whether I'm going to enjoy that. Do I really want to be there? How's that going to help me get through the anxieties of today? Instead of that, we've got, you know, as I read the news or as I see broken relationships or I um, engage with other people or if things are not going well, I can think, well, all the suffering and that's brought about because of the distortion of this world will be gone in the new world. Um, you know, when we see in terms of the famine that we see here, we know it'll be gone there. Um, I was going to say one more thing and I've forgotten what it is. I, th I mean, I think the interesting thing about eternity is on the one hand, yes, the idea of eternity, if there's an endless sense to it. But I think the other thing that I think is quite interesting is, is that I am not living here thinking, oh, I'm 40. Oh, means I've got about, mm, if I'm at best, another 40 years left. So I'll start counting down the time. You know, I feel like I'm going to be here forever. But I, but then I have to sort of say, well, I'm obviously not going to be here forever. There will become a, an end. And I think you see that in, you know, the idea that death comes. You kind of think, well, oh, hang on a minute. No, I kind of, I have this consciousness. I have this, I don't, I'm not thinking in terms of this is going to end. So I guess in that sense, there is a sense in that now that we are here and exist and we have this consciousness, we don't think that there will be an end. You know, there's something not right about death. And again, I think the eternity thing, I don't think we're to think in terms of timelessness and just kind of an ongoing, persistent time, but rather think in terms of it will be eternal life in the sense that it will be life in this um, world like this is, but perfect. And yet it will fulfill that desire to, that kind of that expectation that I don't expect to come to an end. I kind of expect to be around because now I am. And therefore it's bizarre to think that I will not be. Um, and I guess another thing, one last thing, I guess. So I guess, it, you remember when we went back to the start and we taught, saw how... The world was perfect and created perfect. There was no anxieties because there was nothing to be anxious about. That's kind of what we're looking forward to. That new heavens and new earth is just the recreated world where there is no anxiety. Um, so I hope that's I hope that's helpful. So I think I think it. Hopefully, I'm I'm kind of thinking in terms of the things that give us anxiety. We can think about this is actually giving me anxiety um, but I'm but I'm okay because I'm looking forward to a time when I'll live in a place where that anxiety is no longer that's what kind of what I'm looking forward to so you know thinking in terms of if it's I've, I've not got enough money well in new heavens and new earth there'll be an abundance of everything that not be a problem I hope that's helpful but I think it's just that idea of actually yeah trying to bring things back to concreteness. I'll stop talking.